Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to the Francisca Show podcast on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. The show where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. I'm Francisca, your host. Francis, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoy this podcast, you might enjoy other podcasts on jewishcoffeehouse.com, so make sure to check them out, as well as going back and checking the backlog of this podcast. Thank you so much for all your incredible feedback on last week's episode. The chat has been very active. I've gotten lots of personal messages. Love them. Keep them coming. And without any further ado, I hope you enjoy the show. I am Francisca, a podcast success launch coach. Welcome back to the Francisca Show, everyone. I'm so excited about today's episode because it's so uplifting and exciting and very different from what we usually do on the show. However, totally fits in because this is super unusual. Today with us, we have Esty Ackerman, who is currently a student at Stern College. We have a tennis table world champion with us today. Esty Ackerman, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. This is indeed really exciting because this is just so unusual. And there's so many things that I'm sure everyone is super curious to find out and hear more about. We'll get started right away. So tell us how you got started, and I know you probably answered this question more than a ton of times, but for those of us who are learning about you for the first time, how did a from young girl get into table tennis and be so good that she would compete on a professional level? No, first of all, I really thank you so much for having me, Francisca. It's really inspiring of everything you have been doing on your show and all the incredible guests who were just so inspiring. Uh, but somehow, I guess I made my way here. And even though I have been asked that question before, there's nothing like always uh, recounting the truth exactly with what you've been saying for the new followers. When I was around eight years old, my father really wanted to have a fun family night activity with me and my older brother as he thought the new upcoming young generation would just be addicted to the electronic gadgets and he didn't want his kids looking down and walking into walls and just wanting the next iPhone, all the different things that were coming out. So he felt, why not ping pong? We had a table in our basement. He thought it's a pretty unique sport as anybody can really be playing it from such a young age. It's even such an older age. It's not so expensive. It's low injury level and you don't have to be like 5'11 or crazy quick. And that's really where we just began. My father always thought, how come we don't have any Orthodox Jewish athletes in today's world? And he had a passion in terms of valuing the word uniqueness rather than not just being a follower. And he really just started with my older brother. One day, I guess I went downstairs to the basement, just like the youngest child in the family, probably being annoying back then as well, to also give it a try to see what was happening downstairs. And I was probably pretty little at the time, so they only saw like a paddle going back and forth. But they probably assumed that I was somewhere there under the table. And that's really just where we began. Just a fun family night activity, wanting to catch up with one another, something I'm sure that families are probably still yearning for due to this, I guess, technology 
increased in 2022. And we just really took it from there. And it was really just exciting to see after a few weeks, after a few months, my brother was just beating my dad. I was getting a little bit better, but more importantly, we were bonding face to face with one another from the basement level where we uh, tried to consider taking it uh, to the next level uh, where we went to something called ping pong clubs which I'm not sure if you've uh, been to one, Francisco. I haven't, but I'm assuming it works like chess club where you start with a bunch of tables and then the winners end up playing the winners and eventually there are two people left and they play against each other. So you're a very good chess player. I mean, I am not, but I watched (laughs) whatever show that was on Netflix with the chess. Got it. (laughs) When they make a ping pong Netflix show, then I'll know more about ping pong. I guess now you're really giving some good ideas. But instead of TV, I'm just real life. The first time really uh, my brother and I walked in was like truly humiliating. Not just for the fact that Orthodox Jewish uh, walking in there with his yarmulke, with the kosher food, with the skirt, making like a whole ruckus already. But furthermore, we were literally the worst ones there. And keep in mind, we're nine. My brother's probably 12 at this point. And it uh, was just humiliating. We thought we were good, getting better in the basement, beating my dad here and there. But now we were just exposed to this whole new ping pong world throughout the New York tri-state area where we began seeking out these clubs and uh, slowly but surely different coaches were giving us private lessons when we were entering ourselves in different leagues in these local clubs. They were telling uh, myself that they thought a little bit of a unique talent and skill did exist. And uh, that's really where uh, it began. That's awesome. So did your brother focus more on Gemara and let this die out and then you took over or (laughs) you just got much better at him? So he naturally took a step down. That's a pretty good question. I feel like I've never got it because you're like already assuming like my family's pretty stark. No, if you have a sister who's younger and doing so well, it (laughs) might be a cue to go focus on other things. No, I hear that. So really, Akiva was always much better than myself. He really was older, taller, probably stronger. And when competing, he definitely was much, much better than me. Nevertheless, when he was probably entering like 10th, 11th grade, he was also like a superstar on his basketball team. And yes, with uh, the learning and things like that, I guess slowly, I guess, began increasing while he wasn't um, so much keeping up with the training. Nevertheless, I consider him really just a true role model for me on and off the court when he's doing tremendous things and is very much currently an awesome uh, practice partner uh, for myself. So you go to these clubs, they usually take place on a weeknight, on a weekend. How does that work? The professionals, which is all the different types of countries, not U.S., as U.S. has actually never meddled in the sport of table tennis in the Olympics in general. They are really training seven days a week, the whole ping pong in the school system, very much ingrained. Me, on the other hand, being uh, very unique, obviously, was in a a yeshiva my whole life, Baruch Hashem, balancing a dual curriculum and uh, definitely learning a lot of time management skills as I would get picked up from school early sometimes, go to the clubs during the week. Definitely the prime, the schedule was training for about five days a week, I would say two to three hours. Obviously, I do not train Shabbos, so that was definitely one day that I wasn't going to be playing. But to your question, definitely on the Sunday was definitely much easier, but from definitely being in middle school and 
high school balancing, doing homework in the car, eating uh, dinner at the club, wasn't really hanging out with friends or doing the regular uh, teenage year fun stuff, which I'm sure we'll get to. But yeah, it was a mix of both. So you're very focused on the training and your parents are very supportive. Talk to me about some of the challenges and things that are coming up as you get older when you have to start making choices. What are those choices and what are those challenges? First of all, I know it's so weird that you said it, but my parents really are my biggest fans and I'm just very thankful that I have them through every step of the way. If it's being at the matches or doing the laundry behind the scenes or everything, I uh, just like a tremendous shout out that I truly always have to give because I just feel so grateful that I really wouldn't be here today without them. So we were getting definitely much better on the court. And I guess I'll take us to the year of 2012 where I was training for something called the U.S. Nationals. And so the U.S. Nationals is the biggest tournament in the year for America, where about 800 plus players fly from over the country to the tournament was being held in Las Vegas. And in 2012, I was only 11 years old at the time. And like we mentioned before, I was training for about five days a week, two to three hours, definitely focusing only on the U.S. Nationals. And it was very exciting because this was really, you know, definitely a big debut that I was going to make. And the way that it works is that it's about seven, you know, to eight different events that a lot of players are entered in, which is varying really from age, ability, there's singles, there's doubles. And in one of the rating events, which means that it's based on ability. So it could be men, women, people my age, people your age. It was about 150 plus players in the event. And I luckily made it all the way to the final round, which is down to the top people. Yeah, I feel getting super excited. Francisco over there, like you're on the edge of the seat. Um, like what's about to happen? So now we're checking the big board in Las Vegas, where and when the next match is going to uh, be taking place. And we realized that it was 7.30 p.m. Friday night. And it's uh, definitely not so easy. I've seen that right off the bat. As an 11-year-old, I was now clearly faced with a decision. Am I going to compete and play that uh, big championship match on Chavez or not? This was already after you traveled with one parent or two parents, maybe your entire family, to Vegas. And you're staying at some hotel, figuring out kosher food, staying up late nights. And then you find out you make it to the round. And now, oh my gosh, Friday night is the next round. What are we going to do? Exactly. So you haven't thought about what would happen if this would happen? No one thought you'd make it that far? Correct. Yeah, it's definitely a great point. In uh, the tournament, I definitely was upsetting a lot of players above me. Also, I would say as a player and an athlete in general, it's not the best always thing about so far ahead or about the gold or the silver, but rather uh, just focusing on your opponent at that time. I'm not getting carried away over the excitement or a loss, uh, but rather just living in the moment on that point on that ball on uh, your uh, just current situation we're realizing what we were been going through our experience so far was you know definitely having a little bit in the back of the mind that this would have happened to us at a certain point due to our increase in skill level and so just really just taking us back to the moment where my parents totally gave the decision up to me they said whatever you want to do sd we're happy with. And I was now thinking to myself, we could stay at a closer hotel, we could walk 
you know, not violate any uh, muksa, so to say, and uh, just take it from there. I was thinking to myself, if only I feel like most of my family and friends play ping pong only on Shabbos. If you're not like an Ackerman, like who plays it during the week? Like it's really like the Dafka, like a Shabbos afternoon sport. And I was really just grappling back and forth to think as it was really definitely decision making time. And after thinking it through and after saying it with you now, on one hand, I was thinking that as much as I trained and a lot of things that I sacrificed that I gave up, if it was school, if it was friends, if it was family functions, and definitely a lot of things that went on prior to this big U.S. nationals, I was thinking to myself, how am I just going to give it all up? But I was recognizing that at that pivotal moment, so to say, was that as much as I love table tennis, competing and training, and I was trying to be the best player I can be, I was definitely feeling that Judaism and Yiddishkeit is and will always be my number one priority in life. And I guess I was recognizing those values of stating Judaism as number one, and I guess ping pong number two, and school number three, that's just a joke. It was recognizing that in life, as we go through different circumstances and different situations, the bumps and the hurdles will come. And the moment that I was faced with, where I was recognizing that I was going to default for the fact that I didn't feel necessarily that it was in the spirit of Shabbos, and I didn't feel that Hashem would have wanted me to play that match, on that Friday night to have won the gold medal when I defaulted and I was stating these values that I was saying, first of all, I was the only Orthodox, you know, Jewish person competing there. So the umpires and the referees had like no idea what I was talking about because, you know, you have to give like a legitimate reason why you're not going to play. Sometimes it's an illness, sometimes it's a injury or a flight you have to catch. So I first had to explain the whole sundown, Sabbath, they're like, why can you play if it's dark outside or whatever? But then flying back to New York and thankfully having a lot of family and friends who are big support people through my journey. So they asked, how was it, Esty? Let's see pictures. Did he win? You know, how was the tournament overall? And as I was slowly unraveling what actually had occurred of stating that I didn't get to play, uh, guys, like that final match, because uh, I felt uh, that Shabbos and Hashem is definitely much more important uh, to me in my life. I wasn't able to really bring back, so to say, on what the real goal was. So they said, but Esti, like, we don't get it. Aren't you so disappointed? Like, how were you able to make that decision? And I really just said the following, that as much as I love and have the passion to do what I'm doing, there's nothing like being a Jew and there's nothing like staying true to one's value and feeling what's what's really right. And when I was stating all these things, we realized that I guess the media was picking up on my story, how the little Orthodox Jewish from girl chose her religion and faith over the passion of sports high level. And I remember very, very vividly the next day they put me on the New York Post and had ABC, CBS, Fox News, like literally down the block on my street. The neighbors were concerned, like they were just making sure like things were okay. And it was just definitely a lot of the media attention, which is something I do not look for whatsoever. But I was recognizing that it was coming in, not really for the skill and talent of table tennis, which I guess I do have, but it was really solely for the fact that I was making a Kiddush Hashem of what we're taught, that when we sanctify HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name, we do get repaid, so to say. If it's in this world or the next world, or if it's in five years or 10 years. And for some reason, I guess I was very privileged and Zoka, you know, probably for my ancestors, that 
people were writing to me and emailing and calling that they heard about my story from this TV show or the radio or the newspaper and that they actually were inspired and that they were affected to keep a little bit more Shabbos or to keep a little bit more Kashros or to keep a little bit more of Torah in their own personal life. If they were Reform or Modern Orthodox or already from, when all this was really uh, occurring, I felt, wow, this is truly the ultimate gold medal. Feeling to have a little bit of impact on another Jew from something so uh, little as a ping pong match is truly, uh, truly something I never would have uh, dreamed of. Let's go on moving on from there. You're 11, you gave up that gold medal and you got that 15 minutes of fame. What happens after that? After that, the story gets better, really. The next year, 2013, I go back to the U.S. Nationals, the same rigorous training schedule, and I actually won a gold medal in one of the rating events, being able, thankfully, to call myself a U.S. National Champion that year in 2013, which was extremely meaningful, more so for the fact that the year before I couldn't, as I stayed true and strong to my Jewish values and beliefs. And that year in 2013, I had a pretty cool experience of uh, playing ping pong actually with tennis great Rafael Nadal. Not sure if you're familiar with the top tennis players, but that definitely was a privilege as his sponsor Nike at the time wanted to put a cool event together before the U.S. Open for Nadal. And uh, I thought it'd be pretty cute to see how he would do against a nationally ranked ping pong player. And I was in a really uh, cool place in New York City. And I was the only one that got to play with him. And it was uh, just really cool to me to get an autograph and I'm not to definitely show him literally the best tennis player in the world to show him what a ping pong phenom. And so that year I was also uh, featured on the Rachel Ray show, uh, which was really cool playing against celebrity chef Bobby Flay. And from then it was definitely uh, a good number of different types of titles and different types of awards that I was really definitely ramping up the training schedule for, I guess, to prepare for the 2016 Summer Olympics, uh, which definitely was on my mind then in terms of how to get to the trials and what to do for that specifically. Well, let's go back a little bit. Talk to me about the training that happens, the two, three hours a day of training. You get there, you start playing and you just play for three hours straight or there are other disciplines that are introduced to you? It's definitely a combination. I would say like a good hour or hour and a half to two, like a private lesson. I've definitely had many coaches throughout my career with different styles and with different drills, heavily focusing on the different forehands, different spins, varies from side spin to top spin, and just working on just different transitions from forehand to backhand. A lot of surf practice, tremendous amount of footwork. There's a ton of physicality and fitness that does go in. People joke to me, they say, oh really, Esty? Like, you sweat when you play? I'm like, yeah, if you play the way I play. People sweat by just having to answer a question. They're uncomfortable <laughs> answering. You don't need much. <laughs> If you just have to add a little stress to something, you could right. sweat plenty. Yes, so it uh, definitely consisted of that, whereas with the one-on-one coach in the club, which we were all um, a big fan of trying to get uh, practice matches in, even uh, if it's prior to the lesson or post, so just to, again, put everything that you've learned or just did with a professional for uh, that amount of time to now maybe show on the court as just practice games. If you can do, definitely, of course, traveling, you put in that time as well from home and back or to a school or really if it's going to the track, definitely when the weather was nicer. I was, I've like been invited to a super camp, so to say. I remember one year in New Jersey where they had ping pong seven hours a day. It was crazy of 
in the morning, going to the track, running about four or five miles in the heat. We're talking like real heat. Uh, that was just a little bit of the physicality that they were really trying to want to do for uh, just a selective group for this like, special super camp, so to say. But definitely all the playing and all the on the court, ping pong is definitely indoors and really just a variety, mixing it up with a uh, different type of club players of matches. And then there would be like once or twice a week, like a league night where a lot of the club players of different styles would come from wherever and kind of have like a mini tournament amongst one another. And yeah, I would say really that was uh, definitely more in the detailed of the training side. Let's talk about other challenges, like not as clear-cut as Shabbos, which is so impressive that your parents had you make the choice when you were 11, because that's not a given. I can imagine some parents would make the decision on behalf of their child. However, with your parents being the type to get you into this sport as it is, it probably would give you the autonomy and agency to decide for yourself. But I would suppose there are also issues of SNES is not an issue in this sport, which is really nice. But there are issues of feeling different, like you don't fit in, maybe challenges with having friendships or feeling like you belong in your class or maybe not having friends at all because you can't, you don't have that space in your life to dedicate to giving to your friends and being there for them when all your free time is spent on just managing your obligations? It's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal question. And honestly, it's something that I still, I'm trying to uh, definitely be very much more aware of every single day of my life. I'll definitely try to organize and break it down. And I guess the first thing is that SNES wise, it's just nothing compares to representing Am Yisrael and the Jewish nation. You know, Baruch Hashem, I've been very privileged to compete and to public speak and to do different events in different states and for different organizations. And when we, as Jewish women, go and present ourselves, the human eye really sees everybody's externals before the internals. And it's a very special mitzvah that only us women can really very much jump on to the fact of how do we want to represent ourselves and how do we really want to represent being ultimately daughters of the king of the universe. Okay, hold on, hold on. We're not talking about figure skating here or beach volleyball where there is a uniform. Is there a uniform with table tennis? It's a good question. There is not. That there was my question. <laughs> there, there are no presented challenges like you have to wear a certain garb that's clearly on SNES. You got to choose what you wore and you chose to be extra careful because you're in a place of being a role model and impacting other girls. Correct. I definitely will be honest, though. It definitely was not easy. A lot of people will just hands down say to play any sport or to move or to exercise. It was way easier to do in leggings or shorts. It could be faster. It could be lighter. It could be many different types of reasons I can give without a doubt. And it's definitely pretty cool to see. I know a lot of Jewish brands are coming out with different types of modest athletic wear and different things like that, which I'm personally, you know, always just continue looking and curious to see what people are coming out with as I do think will only be becoming more popular or maybe Jews um, and specifically women are trying their best um, in whatever 
area they might, but there is no, no question that I do feel like many people will agree in terms of working out or competing. Flowy skirt's great, but it's definitely, I'm sure, uh, preferred by a lot of people to do perhaps in a different bottom, so to say. But thankfully, uh, it's very much meaningful to me when people recognize that people are trying to sacrifice really for uh, the greater good of Hakak Sparkle. And then from the other challenges that I know you've mentioned, definitely through going to yeshiva my whole life i've always been exposed to really awesome friends it's from my community or just uh middle school and high school and now even eastern college that i'm in uh really it's very special when you realize you have real friends like when i was i guess 11 and 12 years old and i guess i was being on tv and all the newspapers and things like that it's pretty funny to see sometimes people want to try to like be your friends just for that moment or just for that time because some cool things are happening to you or like you're being featured here or there and i uh, really thank god i just feel very lucky that my whole life has been uh, very much a big part of having good friends and there for me always uh, preparing me for the interview or getting me ready for the next thing or helping me catch up on schoolwork or offering me their notes when I missed school. And I uh, definitely wanted to hear about, uh, I guess, my success or even losses. But definitely my personality sometimes is, if you could believe it, it's not to talk about myself, actually. It was always sometimes something that I also had to learn when they were like, oh, you're going to the U.S. Nationals next week? We didn't even know, SD. Whereas, yeah, I gotta always want to make it about me. I've uh, definitely learned that the word humility was something that is... Uh, very much important in being an athlete or just trying to achieve greatness, recognizing that it's not just me, but rather there's a greater will and there's actually a whole uh, community of helping um, each and everyone out. But definitely through the time management skills, realizing that I wasn't uh, just like watching Netflix or movies or TV or things like that, but uh, rather I was just trying to uh, maximize if it was, like I said, doing, you know, homework or studying in the car rides. I definitely was challenging. I wasn't a super A plus honor student, but I was uh, realizing that whatever you give the most time to, whatever you're giving the most effort and dedication to, that is what you will see most success in. And uh, being a daughter, a sister, a friend, a player, I always just wanted to give my best foot forward and live in the moments of wherever I was. So if it was like home with my mom and you know, I want to be really fully present with her. If it was at the tournament, you know, I really want to be fully present there. I was with my coach in the club, you know, I was really trying to be fully present there. Nevertheless, easier said than done. And I'm sure you could attest to it as well as someone who's been doing so much in the podcast world. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Have there been any very low points, potentially losses of games or missing certain important functions in your life because you were prioritizing one thing over the next or even feeling super burnt out or misunderstood and alone. Talk to me about the real stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, no, it's good. I see you really want to get to the meaty stuff. So Francisco, you know, I uh, now see why your podcast is so successful. I want to hear how Baruch Hashem, everything's amazing. And as long as you get to make an impact, you're going to wear your skirts. I want to hear what it's actually like to be you. Correct. It definitely was always rough at times if it's in the quarterfinals or the semifinals or even the finals matches and uh, losing, which definitely I have experienced. And Tell us an episode, like one story that was particularly hard, maybe share that. Yeah, sure. Wow, well, there were so many. So let me see which one uh, to choose from. I would say at uh, a US Open, which is also one of the biggest tournaments a year in, in America, also usually held in Las Vegas. So when you go to this like US Open, you're entered in like, seven different 
events. So it's very much overwhelming at some points because you're playing like every single day for many different number of hours. And I remember that it was like a cadet event, if I'm not mistaken. Cadets is usually like 14 and under. And it was like a final match of who was going to like advance out of like the round robin group to make it to the single elimination round. And I was faced with uh, a top other cadet, which was uh, very much uh, pretty fairly matched up in terms of level. And it's usually best of five match. And I know it was 2-2 two, two in games, which is usually like the thrilling moment. It comes down to the wire. And just going back and forth, you know, very much like 7-7, seven, 8-7, seven, eight, seven, eight, eight, you know, and uh, extremely tight. Probably, you know, definitely more of the fans for cheering for her, without a doubt. And in the last, the last this game, she definitely uh, got me fair and square. And I remember definitely feeling upset the moment you know, that any athlete has, like thinking all the training and all the hours and uh, the fifth game, it's just, you don't get it. Or the other player gets the edge point or the other player hits the net with luck or you missed that forehand that you've uh, trained like 400 times in the club, literally. And I remember I was just speaking with my dad, you know, he said, but it's okay. Cause you actually have another match SD in the hour. So you got to bounce back up. And it's definitely always hard at times to forget about the losses, especially in a very quick time frame to bounce back, to get really back on the court for another match. But really just sitting with oneself, if it's watching film or not, of uh, just thinking that no one's perfect. It's very impossible to win everything. And I like everything. And uh, the losses are definitely something that have taught me is uh, what makes you greater. Are you competitive in other areas of your life as well? I would say definitely like in... High school, I played all four years basketball and all four years tennis. I would call myself very competitive on the court. Often, I definitely like to be the best uh, I can be. In school, I wouldn't really call myself so competitive. I'm happy for other people that get good grades and I'll give my notes away uh, if people need. But uh, I definitely always like to have edge on uh, sometimes other people you know, and uh, not just let people beat me. So it's uh, definitely not easy to, but uh, I also try to consider myself uh, a pretty friendly, nice, outgoing person to help uh, other people. As someone who turned her passion or talents into a professional career, what do you do on Shabbos afternoons if you don't play ping pong or do you? First of all, if anyone's uh, usually in my house for Shabbos lunch, after me roast the Torah, I mean, I think it's totally fine to go downstairs to the basement and play a fun uh, Shabbos afternoon activity. And nevertheless, I do not train, you know, or compete on Shabbos, but I definitely love going to friends for Shabbos and or uh, even just to have the privilege uh, to public speak or not. So it's still um, a kosher activity for you. Approved I for totally, yeah, okay. not nowhere near as a rough. <laughs> definitely tell people what to do, but I definitely think it's very much popular um, in my basement sometimes. And some people just, I think they want to come over for Shabbos lunch, but secretly they just want to come for the basement play. I don't know if you started Shadokim yet, but has that ever been a concern for you or your family that you are doing this? Even though it doesn't sound like such a conflict because you clearly don't compete on Chavez. I wish everybody, you know, the best of the best uh, to find their bashert. I always get the jokes from friends or uh, whoever. So what's going to happen if he takes you to ping pong club or he doesn't know about you? Are you going to like really play SD? Are you going to be nice and friendly? Whatever. Definitely. I guess we'll see what really occurs. But uh, thankfully, I just feel very lucky. I'm blessed to be having just a little bit of impact on the Jewish people. And I definitely hope, I guess, the future one um, will appreciate that as well. And it's really just, you know, hopefully see that there's also definitely a lot more to me than just ping pong. 
I know you've been awarded by the JITC. Can you tell me about that? Yes. Yes. I know we are talking about Jew in the City, which is a tremendous organization. I know led by Allison Joseph, which I think very highly of, and it's just such a role model for just the entire club. And that was in 2014, where Jew in the City honors, I think, about 10 Orthodox Jewish people who are what successful or accomplished in whatever their field they might do. They have a nice dinner and like a fundraiser and just like such a beautiful evening in uh, New York um, where all the Orthodox stars meet each other. There's a lot of guests and uh, definitely a lot of fun, cool people there. And somehow I was very humbled, I guess, to be a part of the 10, which I definitely, you know, felt like I totally stood out. Like we had like Saul Blinkoff, I remember. He's like the Disney producer. We had CEO of BCBG Generation. It was like so cool to meet. And uh, people who were like really successful and like you know, people who have like degrees and there I was probably like uh, I think 13 14 at the time just playing some ping pong actually uh, they had a table there that night where uh, some people wanted to challenge me but it was extremely special and very humbling experience to even meet and be a part of the Jew in the city family thanks for sharing that so have you competed yet in the Olympics or you're training for that? Yes. Yeah, so I would say uh, back in 2016, I was 14 years old and was very privileged to be only one of 16 women who were able to compete in the Olympic trials. There's a lot of women in America. I felt, wow, one of 16 was really exciting for the first time to be going to the Olympic trials. And they called me then as the first Orthodox Jew to ever try out for the Olympics in general, Orthodox Jew. And going to the Olympic trials, I was definitely nervous. Out of those 16 women, I was ranked number 14. So I was for sure not a favorite. I was coming in as an underdog, but I know in sports, anything can happen. Just we know from all the history and all the different types of sports. And so the way that the trials was going to work in North Carolina was there was going to be three winners after each day. And it was Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So as we can assume, I was not going to compete on Saturday. So I was only going to have two days to try out rather than everybody else having three. Yes, at a little bit of a disadvantage already. But my parents thought I'd make it the first day. But it definitely would act the stream of literally competing on the highest of highest stages. So the Thursday I was drawn, you know, Randomly, a top female from California, someone who's very well known in the ping pong world, uh, her rating was extremely higher than mine by far. And she did lead me the first game 6-3, I remember actually. The games are to 11 and uh, trailing behind. I uh, remember that I won actually eight points in a row winning that game 11-6, which is pretty yes, miraculous, I would say. And so it definitely raised a lot of eyebrows in the crowd and uh, something that nobody would have predicted. Nevertheless, she did beat me that match fair and square. And uh, that was my run for day one of the Olympic trials. And following for day two, again, it's randomly drawn who plays who. I actually drew that same girl who beat me the day before. And there I was thinking uh, to myself, wow, like I always try to find the positive in situations. I deeply believe that there always is, even in the lowest of lows. And I said, maybe this is like my Friday Arab Shabbos luck. Oh, I just played her. So I know her strengths. I know her weaknesses. I've seen her serves. Maybe I really do have something here, but I guess she also saw my strengths, my serves. I don't have weaknesses. Nash to joke. But she did beat me day two, also fair and square. And that was my run for the Olympic trials in 2016. And some people thought it was uh, good that I didn't make it to Rio Brazil. Apparently it was like the Zika virus that year or something. But so that summer, I was not just sitting on my couch watching the Olympics on TV. That's definitely not what I do. 
that I was at the next best stage for myself, where I was in Houston, Texas for the Olympic trials, the junior Olympics, sorry, where I did uh, actually get the gold for singles and doubles of girls under the age of 16, which a lot of people call my biggest highlight to date, the junior Olympic gold medalist. And it was actually pretty cool in that moment because sometimes in life we think like, I know where I'm supposed to be. I know where I'm supposed to be going or with this person or this job in a moment. But I guess there was a little bit of uh, something that needed to be done before as uh, going to the junior Olympics first. And then since then, I guess to bring in more current, the Olympics of 2020 was going to be held in Tokyo. So that year I was in seminary where I spent a year in Michal learning. So I was training in Yerushalayim very much as they heard about me before I even got to Israel. And I was actually representing the top women's team for Yerushalayim during the year, which was superb to really see and uh, play against all of these Israelis and show them what uh, U.S. actually's got. But due to COVID, right, that Olympics year, they it did not happen. But the trials was very much held on like literally Friday night in Shabbos. So I was not really able to try out, unfortunately. So that was definitely that moment and definitely next uh, 2024. So you're still training and still on course for the next Yes, a thousand percent. So definitely much more recent in December, which I know was what, like about two, three months ago. I was in Las Vegas for my 13th trip, actually uh, there for a U.S. Nationals. And I was pretty uh, successful of getting a bronze medal and for women under 21 for the entire country. I was gain a gold medal for a hard bat doubles event. I was able to definitely bring home some medals only a few months ago for a 13th trip to Vegas. And my dad isn't really into the gambling whatsoever. So as he says, we go to Las Vegas to try to win on different tables. What are you majoring at Stern? I am currently a Judaic Studies major. It's just been such an honor talking to you. I know we need to wrap up, but I'd like to just ask you, have you, what, what's the name of the runner, Didi Deitch? Are you in touch with her at all? Do you have a support group for Orthodox athletes? Yeah, we have actually been on like a Zoom. I'm in like a panel together, overlapping, I guess, um, a little bit. She's incredible and so inspiring and really tremendous of everything she's been doing for herself and just the community, just as a whole and just the inspiration I know that she spreads. I guess I haven't yet, you know, had this cost of meeting her, uh, but definitely, you know, I would love to and definitely always give her just such a big shout outs and everything that she's doing. Any words of wisdom to wrap up? Anything you'd like to share? Yeah, sure. No, first, I just definitely really just want to thank you for having me and definitely um, sharing time with you on uh, your awesome podcast. I mean, I guess all the listeners out there to follow your dreams and shoot for the stars and know that Anything is really possible. And as long as you put your time, your, your dedication, sweat and tears, you could truly achieve anything. When never think that challenges can bring you down, but rather the opposite. It just brings out the best of you. And uh, to really know that uh, anything is uh, truly, truly capable inside a person. And me personally, I might not have won the Olympic gold medal just yet, but more importantly, I'm really trying to win the, the gold medal in life. And I hope it definitely shared a little bit of inspiration and drive to everybody out here tuning in. That's so beautiful. In life, nobody is there to give you that gold medal, though. Unfortunately, you have to figure it out on your own what it is and how to get it and how to know you got it. But we wish you the best of luck and everything you do. Thank you for sharing your time and being open with us. We wish you. Just wish you had luck on everything you do. Thank you. Sure. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Where can people follow you? You could follow on the Instagram page. I think that I put in Akpong613. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Esty.
Thanks for listening until the end. Next week, we will have an episode on infidelity, and I hope you tune in. I hope you follow the show and help share about the show to all your friends and family. Please join the discussion group for further conversation. For those of you who have left the chat because it's been very active, we miss you and we understand you. If you need any help with growing your podcast or launching your podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out. And I'm very excited. Hopefully, I will be releasing a new song next week in English, Kol Isha. So stay tuned for that and see you next week. 